as we begin together today, let me just simply ask you, what is the call of God on your life? What is the call of God on your life? Now, we can answer that very simply by saying the call of God on my life is that I be saved. And being saved means, I won't say it that way, does it? Being saved means that we've trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We understand that he paid the penalty of our sin debt in full. We receive the promises of eternity that he's given us. Being saved means all of that. And you might say, well, the call of God on my life is to be sanctified. That means he's going to grow me in stature. He's going to grow me in wisdom. He's going to grow me in holiness. He's going to grow me in more of the things that I need, which is what we want to do with these children going to Noah's Park Adventures and Learning. If you haven't dismissed yet, go ahead and be dismissed. See, my mind is already losing memory at this ripe young age. And so those are some things that we can say, yes, I, I've answered the call of God in my life when it comes to the will of those things. And, and, and that, that's, a, that's a monumental answer. That is a glorious answer. For in that answer, you know that you have salvation, that you have eternal life. And you know that in that answer, that you are God's work and he's shaping you and molding you. But what is your specific call in life? What is your Macedonian call? Many of you are familiar with that terminology because we find it in Acts chapter 16. And I'm going to ask you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16 as we make our way to Acts chapter 17 by the end of our time together uh, we all certainly have the same overarching call of God in regards to salvation in regards to sanctification in regards to glorification of glorying God in the highest Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13 says let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all that is a call of God that we fear God and that we keep his commandments. Or Deuteronomy chapter 6, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That is a call of God. And many of us would affirm those and affirm those wholeheartedly and concerning salvation. As I've already said, we've repented and believed the gospel. Mark chapter 1 verse 15. But I'm speaking of God's specific call and direction for your life personally. In the shape he shaped you, in the direction he's heading you, do you know what that is? Do you know how to discern where God is leading you? And the Macedonian call, I think, gives us some outworkings of what it means to be following and what it means to be led and what it means to find and what it means to discern what it is that God is doing. How did Paul discern the works for which God had set him apart? In that call to go to Macedonia. So in Acts chapter 16, pick up with me in verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Sometimes the call of God is a no. Sometimes it's a shut door, it's a closed avenue, it, it, it's a stop, it's a resistance that God puts against you. He didn't specify what that exactly looked like, but he said we were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not 
permit them another stop, another rerouting in their navigational quest. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. There was a vision that came to Paul, and that vision resulted in a conclusion, and that conclusion resulted in an action that they indeed did go to Macedonia. You say, well, you can make this a short sermon and say the way to know the will of God in my life is he'll give me a vision, but that's not always how it is. Matter of fact, in this time uh, of the infancy of the church, God was working in miraculous, supernatural ways to bring the church to a growth and to bring the church to maturity. And that vision that God gave Paul was part of the miraculous nature. Now, you did not hear me say that God stopped working in miraculous ways. Your salvation was a miraculous work of God. And he still works in miraculous ways to accomplish his purposes, but not necessarily expressed in what we read as normative in the New Testament, such as Paul. But God does still present a call to each of his children. My sheep hear my voice and they know it. And when God gives a call to his children, he directs them to what they want. So here's the first thing I want us to grasp today, that finding God's personal call and direction begins. You've got to get the beginning right to get the ending right. Finding God's personal call and direction begins by being faithful to what God has already revealed. Being faithful to what God has already revealed. Has God already revealed some things to Paul before we find this Macedonia call in Acts chapter 16? Has God already revealed some things to Paul for his life to live out before we come to Acts chapter 16? And the answer, of course, is yes. Because many of you would understand that he had the Damascus Road experience. And there was a revelation of God that was, again, not normative, different in an encounter that you and I might have, but at the same time was a revelation of God to the call that he would put on Paul's life. And in that revelation that God would give Paul, he directed him to do some things, and Paul began being faithful in doing those things. But not until after we find Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, do we get a bigger understanding of what that beginning of faithfulness looked like. Matter of fact, open your Bibles again. You're in Acts chapter 16. Find your way to Galatians chapter 1. In Galatians chapter 1, I was accused of not giving enough time to turn, so I'm giving time today. In Galatians chapter 1, there's a peculiar piece that we find here that gives a hint to what Paul's beginning steps of faithfulness look like. And in Galatians chapter 1, pick up with me in verse 15. Paul says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, he, he gives a sovereign view 
of who God is in that verse. He's saying God knew me from even the uh, separation, and I would imagine he hasn't thought the, the consummate conception of himself as we have read also in Scripture that God knows us from uh, him knitting us together in our mother's womb. And, and so he goes back to his birth, and, and he's given a sovereign view of who God is. He separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. Now, there was a lot of time between the separation of the womb and the calling in the grave. Paul's just summing it all up there. He says in verse 16, uh, he called me through his grace, verse 16, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia. And, And so there's the call that Paul knows is on his life and this to be uh, an apostle to the Gentiles and and he says but I didn't immediately start out there he he said there was something else that happened before I I began living out that call but I was in a forward direction toward that call and that forward direction toward that call included something amazing that happened well what was that that happened look back just a couple of verses to verse 11 And this is what he says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that by the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is Paul confessing there in his letter to the church of Galatia, what is he telling them? He's saying, listen, I, I, I got training. And, and that training didn't come by flesh and blood. That training came by the person of Jesus Christ. And, and so Paul was camped out on the backside of Arabia for about three years as God poured into him through the person of Jesus Christ and one-on-one discipleship that Paul was then able to grow from. And, and from that faithfulness of of being fed and from that faithfulness uh, of being led Paul's now able to sense when the Holy Spirit is doing something and moving in him but if we don't begin walking in faithfulness how will we ever know the next steps God has for us we won't And, and so it's that faithfulness that Paul is demonstrating that brings him to Acts chapter 16 where he says the Holy Spirit stopped me We couldn't go in. And it's that faithfulness that let him recognize when God was speaking to him through such a supernatural way as this vision that we read about in verse 10 of Acts chapter 16. And they conclude then, therefore, that God is calling them to go into Macedonia. You say, but I've never had a Damascus Road experience. I've never had the Lord show up to me in the bright and brilliant lights as it seemed the picture that he showed up to Paul on the Damascus Road. I never had the Lord get my attention in such a way as he got Paul's attention on that day. I've had churches try to recreate it with all kind of lighting and sounds and and technopyric stuff and all that, but I've never really encountered God in that way to have him get my attention. And I've never been trained by the very presence and person of Jesus 
in a very solitude state for an extended amount of time. So Paul has a leg up on us, doesn't he? he? He's able to hear from God more clearly and more succinctly than we are because of what he has. If that's your thinking, then we just limited God. We, we just said God can't break through to direct us and lead us today. And in our limitation of God, we've shown how big or how small we think God uh, really is. Here's the point. You can only begin where you are. You can only begin with what God has given you. You can only begin with the very understanding that you now have. And perhaps, as we spoke about earlier, let me just say this. Have you been saved? Because it's that salvation that is the beginning of what God is wanting to will and do in your life. And if you've been saved at that beginning, maybe it was some years ago, how do you know you've been saved? Have you sensed the presence and power of God in your life since salvation? Or, or was that just really not that miraculous of an event? You just came forward, said some words, and got wet. Because if it really wasn't that miraculous of an event that changed you and changed who you are, then how do you know you've been saved? And if it was that miraculous of an event where you became somebody different than what you were, then you know that was God leading and directing those changes in your life. And if he can lead and direct those changes that we call sanctification, can't he lead and direct changes to change your locations as well? To change your ministry focus, your life focus? Is he not powerful enough to do that as well? If he's powerful enough to save you, he's powerful enough to direct you. We know that with sin, God dealt with it when he demonstrated his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5. We, we know that he, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, John three seventeen. We know that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We know all that. Where do you go from there? You start from there. And then you go. But you don't go ahead of God. You don't go where God's not directed you to go. You see, being saved is the beginning, but being saved is the beginning of more surrender. That's the word. It's surrender from my way and, and surrender unto God's way. And, and what God reveals through his word for his works in you, that is where the surrender begins. Let me ask you a question. Have you surrendered all? We sing the song, all to Jesus I surrender. But is that a reality? In your life? It's 
not going to be something that you just flip a switch and you become. God's going to work that in your heart, but he's going to start working that in your heart with a surrender of heart attitudes. Just a few. I'm not going to be exhaustive on this because there's a lot of heart attitudes that the Bible deals with that needs surrender. But service is one of those heart attitudes that God wants to work in your heart and my heart. That means others before self. Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. Others before self is the surrender that God's called the Christian to have. And quite often we become more of a people of rights, just like the rest of the world, than we have a people of surrender. Sacrificial surrender is a hard attitude. That's where it begins. Integrity. That's a hard attitude that you're presence and desire is to live honestly and openly with others and that you don't have anything to hide there's no shame in your game because you're not covering you're not hiding you're not being different away from others than you are with those that's a heart attitude and that's where it begins humility uh, uh, do you allow spiritual correction hebrews chapter 3 or do you resist spiritual correction because pride has welled up in your heart you see the heart attitude shapes the process that God is doing to both cleanse you and lead you. And if we're not surrendered in the heart attitude, we're not faithful in what he's called us to be faithful in there, how are we going to get anywhere? And so surrender starts in the heart. It's heart attitudes, but surrender is also your actions. Surrender is also your actions. One of the actions that that we've been calling the church to surrender in is simply picking up the Word of God and reading the Word of God so that you're in taking the Word of God and getting to know the Word of God so the Word of God begins shaping those heart attitudes so that your actions that come out of those heart attitudes are shaped by God. And, And if we won't surrender to read the Word of God, how are we going to get to know God, this is his revelation of himself, correct? And if this is his revelation of himself, and we're not interested in what he's revealed, are we really interested in him? You see, your actions are what you begin living faithfully with having been saved. Teaching others, we call that discipleship. When God gives you stewardship over what he teaches you, now we have an opportunity to share that with others. Or reaching others, we call that evangelism. Has God not called us to be a disciple and to disciple others? Has God not called us to reach the world around us with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And if faithfulness isn't found there, why would he give us anything else? These heart attitudes and actions have all been revealed by God to you and me through His Word. And being faithful to what God has already revealed is how you become ready to receive more. I'm reminded of the the story of the stewards that were entrusted with ten minas apiece. And in Luke chapter 19, Jesus says uh, the the owner comes back and he said to them well done good and faithful servant because you were faithful in very little 
have authority over ten cities. Now this was to the one that he gave the ten to, and guess what? He doubled it. He gave ten to another, and he made a 50% profit. Gave ten to another, he didn't do much. He was rebuked. But don't miss the point of the story. What God has entrusted us with is what he's asking and telling us to be faithful with. And he's entrusted us with, with the sound teaching of Scripture to get our heart attitudes right, with the sound teaching of Scripture to get our actions right. And, and if we're not taking him up on that entrustment and following through with being faithful with that, why in the world would he give us a city? Why would he give us more? That's all Paul is doing when you come to the book of Acts. He's being faithful with what God has already given him. God has already instructed him. He's going to be a preacher among the Gentiles. And in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10, just read it again to bring it back to your memory as we read it early on. Now when they had gone through Phrygia to the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let me ask you a question. Had Paul been wrong before? We just read it. He was headed to Asia. You scared you're going to miss God's call on your life because you're going to be wrong. Is God sovereign or is he not? And if God's sovereign, and you're heading <coughs> towards the call that God has for you, he's not going to let you miss it. Because if your heart attitude and your actions are walking in accord with what he's already revealed, Paul, you're going to be... Uh, an evangelist to the Gentiles, Paul's walking in that way to be an evangelist to the Gentiles. God is going to still use him in that way, just not to the Gentiles he thought he was going to. And he reveals that call to him. And he preached amongst the Gentiles. Being faithful to what God has already revealed is the starting point of finding the will of God that he wants to direct you in in your life. And finding God's personal call and direction does this. It yields fruit. You ever had a season of fruit, fruitlessness in Christ? Where you just said, God, I just want to see your results. Now, understand, we can't even judge what God is doing in and through us many times. We, I was having a conversation with my wife. 
even when it comes to our own heart and we're told in Scripture to examine ourselves, you know, quite often we're even terrible judges of our own heart and conscience and can't really see what's in man, even ourselves. And if we're that apt to make a wrong judgment of even ourselves, then how apt are we to make a wrong judgment of everybody else? But we're told to examine ourselves. How do you do that in order to be in the way and the will of God? In order to be fruitful for the kingdom of God? Again, it comes back to what God has already revealed and walking in accord with that. And you're not going to get it perfect just like Paul didn't get it perfect. But my friends, if you're walking in an onward trajectory heading for the will of God that He's called you to, He's going to correct yourself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You don't even know if you're right or wrong sometimes. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He's the straightening rod for your will, and he'll direct your steps. All right, Proverbs 3 kind of pours into this, right? And so finding God's personal call and direction will indeed yield fruit, even if you don't know what God's up to. Paul's road to the Macedonia was not straight. We've already looked at that, forbidden by the Holy Spirit, stopped uh, by the Spirit of God, he couldn't go in there. But Paul was not stopped from that forward motion for any moment of time. He already knew what God had already revealed. And because he kept going there, God saw to it that fruit was the result. First fruit we have from his forward motion is this young lady named Lydia that he meets in Philippi, who's, by the way, from Asia, as we've talked about before. And so the gospel gets sown to her. She receives the truth of the gospel, gets saved, goes back home. And what's she going to do with that? She's going to let others know of the salvation that's come to her. So fruit is already there before Paul ever sets foot in Asia. And by the way, he didn't ever make that trip. But Lydia did. Now we got fruit in Macedonia. Turn to chapter 17. Look at verse 1. In verse 1, you find he's finally in Macedonia where they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia. They came to Thessalonica. Thessalonica is a region of Macedonia. That's where the call was taking Paul. That's where he ends up here in verse 1 where there is a synagogue of the Jews. You get to verse 2, then Paul, as was his custom, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scripture not only is he in Macedonia where the call was taken him but there's an open door that he goes into he goes into the synagogue and, and there's people that comes just because you start teaching something doesn't mean people comes but God orchestrated in such a way that the will that God had for Paul to walk in God was going to bring the people to hear what he had to say and God indeed did that in verse 2 and what you find in verse 3 explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ Paul is faithful with his message to tell them what God has already entrusted Paul with and in verse 4 
and some of them were persuaded. There's a fruitful harvest. If one of those people in Thessalonica were persuaded by a missionary coming in and telling them about Jesus, what would we say as Southern Baptists? Well, if it's just one, it's worth it, right? That's what we always say. But some of them, a group, part of the group that came to hear Paul teach were persuaded. What does that mean they were persuaded? They believed. You see, the persuasion of Paul wasn't what won the day for those. It was the work of the Holy Spirit bearing out the call that he put on Paul's life in the first place. And they came to be saved as a fruitful harvest. Take just a moment and ask yourself, just between you and yourself. Now, I've already said we can't completely judge even what's in our own heart exactly right all the time. But I want you just to think for just a second and answer this question to yourself. Does God want me, and you're asking yourself, does God want me to be faithful and fruitful. Does God want me to be faithful and fruitful? Now I want you to change audiences. Rather than asking yourself, I want you to ask God, and right where you are, just say, God, how do you want me to be faithful and fruitful? God, how do you want me to be faithful and fruitful? I'll submit to you, it's beginning with where he began you at salvation. It's being faithful with what he's already entrusted you with. That's the gospel of peace. It's in taking what he's already given you. That's his word. Being faithful with what God has already entrusted you with is what opens up what God has next for you. God, do you want me to be faithful? The answer to that is yes. God, do you want me to be fruitful? The answer to that is yes. How do you want me to be faithful? How do you want me to be fruitful? He's got an answer to that, and I'm not going to prescribe it today and say we need some Sunday school teachers. I'm not going to prescribe it today and say we need some missionaries because you know what? The greatest faithfulness and fruitfulness that many Christians live out is being an honor of God in the homes that they serve, worshiping Him with their heart, soul, and mind, being the mom of integrity, being the dad of integrity, loving kids unconditionally and making sure that they keep hell out of the home so that heaven has its reign. And when moms and dads stand to that accord, their foundation of the country becomes more and more secure. But when moms and dads abdicate that role, we're seeing the fruits of it now. So I'm not prescribing. God's ultimate will and way for your walk. I'm not telling you that we need more missionaries. We do. 
But I'm not telling you that because that might not be God's prescription for you. I'm not telling you we need people to surrender to the pastorate. We need more godly people going to seminary. I'm not telling you that. We do, but that's between God's work and you. And you, you might try doing those roads and find out that God stops you. That's okay. Because he'll redirect the route where he wants it to be. The answers to those questions are yes. You say, how do you know that? Colossians, turn to Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1, pick up with me in verse 9. Paul says, for this reason, what reason is that? Well, people got saved in Colossae. They formed a church. They're walking with God. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it of your salvation, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. In other words, Paul is writing to them and say, there's something God's already revealed to you. Get filled with that. Absorb the truth of the gospel of your salvation. Uh, Absorb the truth of God progressing you in sanctification, growing more into the image of God, knowing that God has already revealed this to you. Soak all of that in so that you're filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk Worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Sounds a lot like faithfulness to me, doesn't it? That you do what God's called you to do. Live the way God's called you to live. Colossians goes on and says, Being fruitful in every good work. Faithfulness and fruitfulness tied together right there in those two verses. And and look at this. Look at how Paul ends those two verses. He says, and increasing. That means you're gaining more. So you've been given something that's been revealed to you. It's the truth of salvation and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Soak that in and grow in that and get to know that intimately. Get to know that so intimately that it becomes part of the fiber of who you are. But Paul says it doesn't stop there. There's something that can be added to that. He says increasing in the knowledge of God. Well, what does it mean to increase in the knowledge of God? If I know salvation and I know what he's already revealed what else do I need you need his will and his way in your life that word surrender say God whatever you call me to do whatever you direct my path to I surrender and that's the increase how do you gain by losing That's the amazing economy of God. If you want to live, die. You want to increase, surrender. Increasing in the knowledge of God, His will and His way, I believe, is what would be shown is the increase, and that's His personal call. John chapter 15, verse 8. Jesus says, by this my Father is glorified that you 
bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. By what? By what is it that we bear much fruit? Well, increasing in the knowledge of God. How do you do that? Well, John, uh, Jesus answers it in John in the previous verse. In verse 7, he says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you know what that's going to do? That's going to be taking uh, extreme advantage of what God's already entrusted you with as his presence and his words and and you let those things live in you and you're living in those, uh, then all of a sudden it begins to change your heart. It begins to change your mind. It begins to change your walter. And as all that has changed, guess what you start asking for? God, that will be done and not mine. You want to find the will of God? Yours has to die. You've got to lay yours aside and say, I'm not in this for me anymore, God. I'm in this for you. And that is what happens when you're abiding in Christ and Christ is abiding in you is that His desires will become your desires. Your asks will reveal his personal call and plan for you. You'll start asking for things that are sanctified and holy and precious. You'll start asking for things that cost you more in time and surrender. You'll start asking for things that the world dare not ask for because they love their little trinkets and toys too much and they don't want to give that up. And you'll start asking for those things and people will look at you like you're crazy. You mean you give that big of a portion of your income to the ministry and work of God? You're crazy. God never let me go hungry, though his economy is different than yours. You mean you will go and serve other people that you don't even know in hopes that they'll hear that Jesus loves them? You're crazy when they hear Jesus loves them and he imprints their hearts with that message I'll just have exchanged their temporal mindset for an eternal value called salvation see the economy of God's different than ours but until we are willing to surrender and abide, our plans will be our plans. But boy, when we surrender and abide, our ask reveal the personal call and plans for each of us. And his personal call and plans for you will produce fruit. And it all starts with being faithful and letting God bring the fruitfulness. As we close, let me just close with another question just for your own heart. Is, is your vision of the will and work of God in your, your life, your vision of the will and work of God in your life, cloudy or clear?
Are you moving in the forward direction that God's originally called you? Because even if it's cloudy and you think you're supposed to go to Asia, that's okay. God's got a Macedonian call around some corner that he's going to start clearing things up. But if you're not being faithful with what God's already entrusted you and you're not moving in that forward direction, then the cloudiness is because you're not abiding in him and he's not abiding presently in, in your heart and mind for the directions that he has for you. And so become faithful in what he's already revealed. Grow in the knowledge that he's already given. Walk in the application of God's prescribed heart attitudes and actions. Give faithfulness and when you give faithfulness God brings fruitfulness including a clearer picture of his personal call and direction for your life there's no magic button to push there's no magic bullet to shoot it's simply abiding and waiting and trusting in the process that God has ordered your steps and he will reveal in his time exactly what he needs to do. I'm convinced, though, of this, that God has a Macedonian call for each one of us. That he shaped you and he's formed you and he's set you right where he set you in the boundaries of space and time. Because there's something that God wants to accomplish through you that he only wants to accomplish through you. There's lives that God wants to impact because of you. And there's destinies that God wants to change through you. Not your will and your way, but his will and his way is he's the one in charge of the fruit. And if our heart's desire is to give ourselves to the plan and purpose of God completely for his glory, then that means we are moving in the forward direction. And he'll stop us where he needs to stop us. And send us where he needs to send us. But I hope your heart and mind's there today. Because God does have a Macedonian call for you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love you so much because of the great grace that you've shown us. We love you so much because of the great mercy that you've exhibited. But God, we also love you so much because of the abiding presence that you give. And it's through that abiding presence, God, that we prayerfully seek direction. And our wanters change and we ask the will of God rather than the way of man. And when we ask the will of God and start walking in that direction, then God, I'm very confident that you will not let us go where we ought not to go when our hearts and mind is about the attitude and actions that you would have us do. You will send us through some trials. You will send us through some fires. You will send us through some plenty. You will send us through all of those things. But God, if our heart and mind is where it needs to be in searching the will and way you have for us, we'll see all of those aspects of the course as simply your 
shaping and growing process and we'll be excited for what it is you're doing with us even in the midst of that. So I pray, God, that we are individually seeking what you are specifically calling each one of us unto our Macedonian call. And that we are faithfully, faithfully applying what you've already entrusted so that, God, you can trust us with more. And I ask this of all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Jeff, lead us.